Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program and my guest today is Rabbi Alon Joseph and our topic is Resilience and Hope in Chaos. It is my absolute privilege always to host Rabbi uh, Alon Joseph. I'm very close to him and so are a lot of our family and I just wanted to tell you about something about him. He's actually a gratitude guru and um, he runs many groups and he gives talks to groups as well. He, he is founder and director at Live Your Part. Um, he, he's his aim is to is upliftment, to bring people into the present to see what their choices are. And um, Rabbi Alon, how are you? Hi, Sue. Thank you so much for having me. Always such a pleasure to come in and spend the uh, time with you and the listeners. We're so grateful and uh, such an honor and uh, privilege just to be in your presence as always. Um, Alon, please just tell me a bit about what you've been doing because I can never keep up with you with your, your gratitude <laughs> workshops. I mean, they're just amazing. Just tell me what you have been doing since this, the last few months. Been very blessed as, as always. And, uh, yeah, we have uh, always had a very, very close relationship with each other. And, uh, I'm very grateful for that. So, yeah, as uh, always helping people just to get more in touch with themselves, working with themselves. Um, as you said, the, the gratitude workshops helping companies create culture through, through values, the value of you and the value of gratitude, a person appreciating who they are, acknowledging their abilities and their skills. And then, of course, bringing gratitude back into the workplace, helping people realize that you know, as the saying always goes, that it's not happy people who are grateful, but grateful people who are happy. That's so and, uh, true. Also working a lot with Kosher SA at the moment and oh, uh, yes. running one of the divisions for them with the food services and, again, just helping them to improve the systems and uh, helping people's lives to become a bit better. That's fantastic. And just tell me, as far as since the 7th of October and the trauma that occurred because of the terrorist attack from Hamas and the massacre, have you been called on to give different talks since then? So I have been. <laughs> as we've been discussing, it's been a very interesting time. I think people are are searching, people are looking for answers. And I said to people, we're never going to know the why, but we have to have the right perspective, the right outlook to be able to deal with such a tragedy. And as as we've seen, we've never experienced something as a nation like this. We've been very blessed in many ways that since the Holocaust – We've been, we've been very blessed that we have not gone through what our ancestors have had to go through in terms of pogroms, persecutions, expulsions. We've grown up in a society that has been relatively peace-loving. Yes, there's been anti-Semitism and there's been people who, you know, who've wanted to stress, but not on this scale. And when we have something like this, it's, it's, it's almost like our own tsunami. It shakes us to the core. It gets us to question things, to look at, to look at life differently. And um, there's been a lot of people who've been searching and trying to find answers to what's happening at the moment. You told me something about a Holocaust survivor. Tell me about uh, that um, uh, one of the talks that you gave. 
and he had said something and he had never spoken before. So in life, when we go through situations, it's always about having the right perspective of how to view them. And a situation is, is often neutral, but it's how we view it. So many years ago, I took um, a group of high school students to Poland for two weeks. And we're going to get back to that in a moment. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on 101.9 High FM on the Finding Human program. My guest today is Rabbi Alon Joseph. If you'd like to SMS us, please do so on 34519 or you can telegram us on 061 8951019. We're talking about resilience and hope in chaos. And um, Rabbi Alon was about to tell us about a, a, a Holocaust survivor, one of the talks that he gave. So this was a talk many years ago, as I mentioned. And we had taken a group of high school students to Poland for two weeks. And when I'd come back, they asked me to please share my experiences with the community. So it was a Shabbos morning, and after the Kiddush, we all got together, and I shared about the different places we went to and the experiences and what we felt as as a group and the debriefings we had. And it was, it was, it was quite an intense talk, and it was very interactive. At the end of the talk, there was an elderly gentleman who who stood up. And I didn't know about him then, but he started, he started speaking and he said, I'm, um, I'm a Holocaust of ours. I was a child during the Holocaust. And he said, I've never really shared my, my experiences and my stories with people. People know that I'm quite a private individual, but he said that there's just something I need to share with you and something that you spoke about that I, I felt that I could add to. And he shared with us and he said that before the Holocaust, it was a very religious family and his mother, had had very strong faith and he said that as they were going through whether it was um the ghettos and the concentration camps and whatever they went through his mother always instilled within them that she said to them that in life you have a choice how are you going to see things whether you're going to see death and destruction or miracles and because she was such a religious woman he said that she showed them the miracles that they experienced every single day. Mm. And he said she actually became, her faith grew and became stronger through the Holocaust. And she came out being a much stronger person with much stronger faith than before she went in. And he said that's how they grew up is that they grew up looking at the world as every single day they just saw the most incredible miracles that happened. But he said that she had to teach them how to do that. It wasn't just natural. The natural thing was to look at this as bad, this is terrible, wow, how can we survive through this? And what she instilled in them was the ability to look at life a little bit differently, to see the miracles, to see the situations, and to analyze them differently, and to see the good in all of those situations. And he said that's something that stayed with him his entire life. And, and it was just so profound. That's so, it's so beautiful that. And you know, it reminds me of a young, uh, well, n- not young anymore, but a Holocaust survivor that I, all, I met in Poland at one of the concentration camps. And he told me his story. He was a 17 year old. And his job was every day he had to go and clean out the ghetto and take all the dead bodies out and clean it up. And his parents had already been taken to the camps. And he said one night he was looking out of his window and he said to Hashem, if you save me, I'm going to spend the rest of my life teaching people about this experience and trying to let them see that we don't have to hate. 
And when I met him, he was with this group of Australian uh, school children, a very large group, and he was one of the Holocaust survivors who was traveling with them. And what he really showed me, and which I actually pointed out to him when we got to Jerusalem, I saw all the kids around him and I said, you really fulfilled your promise. Look at all these children waiting to hear from you, to find out how you survived. And look what the lessons you're teaching them. Um, And for me, he was so future-orientated. At the time, he was living in this disaster, but he was thinking of a purpose for the future. Yeah, and I think that's one of the survival mechanisms that that we found. Martin Seligman, very interesting, when he writes about the difference between optimism and pessimism that we've spoken about before, he says that that. An optimist isn't someone who lives in this oblivion and says, oh, wow, look how beautiful the world is and everything's right. He says an optimist looks at the situation and says, I understand that presently the situation is not good. I understand that at present this is not this is not the way it should be. But I know that in the future things will be better. I know that this is just a phase. I know that this is something that we're just passing through. And he says, he's, he's a Jewish man, he's not religious, and he says that this for him has been one of the findings in all of his years about the power of, of religion and the Jewish people particularly he writes about. He says that no other nation has been persecuted as much as we have. He said, yet we're still around and people are so optimistic. And he says that the reason for that, he says that because instilled in our religion is the ability to understand that firstly, God runs the world. And secondly, that the situation now is bad, but it's only a situation. It will get better as time goes along. And if we can understand that and see that we have an ability to develop this resilience and ability to see the world. And that's what gives us hope. And I, I must admit, I see that very much in, in Israel the Israelis pulling together and you you told me something quite fascinating about the resilience of the the Israeli people yeah uh, these these stories I, I mentioned to you that and you know unfortunately what we found is that sometimes it takes a war to bring people together mm-hmm. and we found in Israel that before this there was all that judicial reform of people were against each other and literally it was cutthroat and it was terrible and we look you know, 48 days later, where we are at the moment, it's a totally different nation. Mm-hmm. The the unity that we have, I saw an article talking about of people who've lived there and said that they've never seen the Jewish people so unified and so harmonious with one goal, right? Mm-hmm. Getting rid of Hamas, saving the hostages, supporting the soldiers. That's all that's on people's minds. And how they are approaching the situation is just is just it's just indicative of what's really the DNA of us, and that that hope and resilience that people have is just phenomenal that we're seeing at the moment. And we're not a violent nature nation, you know. I was just thinking the other day about all the terrible, um, violent marches that are going on at the moment, pro-Palestinian marches, and I think in particular of the one in. In uh, Cape Town, where a group of Christians and Jewish people wanted to have a prayer, a prayer session together, it was it was peaceful, but they were really violently attacked, and that had to be stopped. Now, we're not known as a violent nat- and a nation. You know, Golda Meir says um, 
We hate war. We do not rejoice in victories. We rejoice when a new kind of cotton is grown and when strawberries bloom in Israel. We'll get back to that shortly. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the the Finding Human program. And my guest today is Rabbi Alon Joseph. And if you'd like to contact us, please do so on SMS 34519 and Telegram on 061-895-1019. We're about to listen to a very short YouTube by Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs' daughter, and it's on We Stand Together. Over the past weeks since the horrific terrorist attacks in Israel, there have been countless times when I have asked myself, what would my father have said to us? if he was here. I think I know what he would have told us not to do. Firstly, do not even for a moment accept that this is the way the world is. That maybe we are destined to be a people who dwells alone, a people always under threat. No, we must not accept this. And so we must protest, we must cry out. We will not accept it. This is not the way the world is meant to be, and we will constantly call that out. Secondly, do not, even for a moment, despair. Despair, my father wrote, is not a Jewish emotion. Odlo abda So we must find the strength to hope and not to despair. Do not forget why we are here. The State of Israel and the Jewish people face a monumental task right now. But when we cry out, when we hope, when we fight injustice, we are doing so not just for ourselves. Today, more than ever, I think he would tell us not to forget that. That we must stand tall, stay true to why we are here. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm back with Rabbi Alon Joseph. And we were here listening to Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs's daughter talking about We Are One. What did you think of that uh, short YouTube, Rabbi? What can you add to that? I think her father would be very proud. <laughs> I also think so. I'm proud of her. She speaks beautifully. And I think her message is true. I think that that's exactly what he would have told us, those two messages of, one, this is not the way that it is, and two, of don't despair. Despair is not a Jewish emotion. It's not something we get caught up in a situation and think, oh, it's the end. We have an internal resilience of hope. We believe in bigger things. And as you said, our way is not a way of war. Our way is a way of, of peace. Yes, if people come and attack us, we will fight back. But otherwise, our way is actually not to be like that. Mm. And our way is a way of, of hope. If we look at the land of Israel since 1948, that's what we've built an entire nation on. That, that's what, that's what the whole purpose of, of Israel is, is that it's a place for all the Jews. And that's what gives us the hope. It's a hope that we can live there. We can be there. Sometimes we lose our ways and we need reminders of, of these things. But if we look at it, that's exactly what we find. It's a land of hope. And we look at what it's produced and the people who have, who have come there. And that, and I think that's, that's what hope is. Hope is the ability to see things differently. Hope is the ability to believe in greater things. It gives us that ability to say, wow, what the situation is now might seem hopeless, but we have hope for something bigger. 
And, you know, I think even our defense force in Israel, the IDF, are taught very differently to how many other armies are taught. Many other armies are taught uh, to stand on hatred, literally, for the other, and to conquer them and to to loathe them and to never get on with them and what have you. But Judaism is uh, is more... In the army, they teach more about the stories, the stories of the Maccabees, of Yeshua, of Moshe. What, do you agree with me? Yeah, I think very much so. As we said before, that our story is one of hope. Our story is one of looking for solutions. It's not one of destruction. That's why if you look at the difference between the different marches, you know, all the Jewish marches that, that we've had, all the gatherings have all been about prayer and about hope and about solutions and about finding peace. It's not, it's not violence. It's not, it's not people trying to destroy things. It's actually people getting together to say, we don't want the situation to continue. We want, we want peace. Hmm. You know, and as, as we said, that peace actually is the fundamental of, of Judaism. Our sages teach us that, that peace is the vessel that holds everything else together. If you want, if you want to have everything, then Peace is the basket that you can take all the other blessings and put them inside of. But if we don't have peace, we don't have anything. And therefore, our whole existence is based on creating peace. Mm. Yeah, We gave land back because we wanted peace. We will do things for the sake of peace. The, the whole outcome of everything is, will this bring peace? And if it will bring peace, then then yes, then let's do it. Mm. And that's been our whole approach. That's what we want. We just want to be able to continue and have peace in our lives so that we can do the things that we want. And I think what's come across very, very strongly since this um, the, the war against Hamas is that in the hospitals and in many other spheres, we've seen Arab Israelis, the Druze, the normal uh, Orthodox reform, all the different sectors coming together to help, to make food, to deliver. We, you and I were talking about tzitzit. <laughs> just explain to our yeah. listeners who don't know what tzitzit are. Yeah, I think just to digress just a little bit on that on that point, that's what stood out for me as the most incredible scenes that we're seeing coming out of, of this war. There was one, there was a picture that I saw of two soldiers standing side by side. Um, and this is, this, this is how we approach war is that it says that these two, pe- two people on the left is Gidon Segev, an activist in Brothers in Arms, major players in the protest against the judicial reform. On the right is Ron Baer, Yoshafat, vice president of the Kohelet policy reform that advocated strongly for judicial reform. They are now in the IDF reservists uh-huh. fighting together against them, are serving together. And there's a picture of both of them standing, smiling, arm in arm. Two people who were absolutely opposed, fighting against each other, are now standing side by side with each other. Brothers in arms. Brothers in arms. And that, you know, you, you find people, you know, will have arguments with each other, not get along with each other. And these were the, and now you put them together and you think, I don't want to work with you. And that's what you find in the world. You find that people, their egos get in the way. The personalities get in the way. I don't want to work with this person. I don't like this person. And here you see this picture of two people who were opposed to each other are now standing smiling, hugging genuine love for each other because they understand there is a greater threat at the moment and we put our emotions aside. Mm. We put Put everything aside for the greater good. That, for me, was the most amazing thing. And those are the scenes we're seeing. We saw secular Israelis um, in Tel Aviv 
um, were one of the best pictures I saw was this restaurant owner who was cashering out his entire kitchen, making it kosher. So, so it wasn't a kosher restaurant. No, it wasn't a kosher restaurant. But he wanted to do, he wanted to send food to the kosher soldiers. So he cleaned his entire kitchen so that he could make it kosher. There were all these type of scenes kind of thing like, these are people who might have been anti-religion. Mm. And now all of a sudden they say, no, 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 there's someone who's coming against us. It's not about my own personal beliefs. There's a greater good. And those are all the stories we're finding that people are returning to religion. People are finding meaning in things that, that we've never seen before. Well, I saw one very amusing thing. There was a man, and he said it himself, he's full of tattoos. But they're not just black and white tattoos. They were actually beautiful sort of rainbow colors down his whole arm. <laughs> and there he was wrapped with um, a tefillin all round, which the, the tefillin are, are leather straps, which Rabbi Long will explain to you in a moment if you don't know what they are, but there he was wrapped with these tefillin around his arm, and in between where the straps were going, you saw his bright tattoos, and I loved it, and he said, I've never done this before, but he said, I now want to show that I'm Jewish, so he also had a very big mug and daubit, yeah. a star of David, which he had never worn before, and then I came across this, and it was from one Jewish site, I don't know who, who actually said it, but it said, we may be the smallest nation, but we have the largest army in the world, roughly 18 million soldiers, all doing what we can to protect and help Israel. What other army can compete with that? Yeah, there was another great one. I don't know if you saw. Um, also, it said someone asked someone, do you have any family in Israel? And they said, yes, 8 million of them. Ah, that's beautiful. <laughs> and I think that, that's how we view it, is that we view it as that these are our brothers and sisters. This is what it is. It's not just like, you know, you, I, I know someone there. No, I feel for them, mm-hmm. and I, and I want to help them. And that's what you've seen. The outpouring of love from around the world has has just been unprecedented. I, I was telling you earlier that I saw that there was a group in America that wanted to fundraise for Israel. So people flew in literally from all over um America and within 90 minutes on the phone of phoning people they had managed to fundraise 380 million dollars good heavens in 90 minutes there was <laughs> there was another guy who was fundraising 250,000 dollars to be able to buy 250 pairs of tefillin for for secular soldiers who'd never put them on who had now committed themselves to putting them on so just to explain about the tzitzit and the tefillin mm. that that you asked so Tzitzit are, are fringes that, that we wear on a, on a, on a four-cornered garment, and it is to, to remind us that, the, that, our, that the, um, the Torah speaks about that when a person looks at the tzitzit, it reminds you that there is a God in the world that reminds you of the, of the mitzvot, of the commandments that Hashem has given us that we have to fulfill. So it's a constant reminder, but it's also a form of protection. And in Israel, when the war started, all the soldiers wanted, they said, we have two vests. We have a bulletproof vest and then we have our, and then we have another vest. <laughs> and they, they were calling the tzitzit that they were wearing. They were calling these garments. They were calling them their ultimate protection. And, and they all wanted done them. It before. They'd never done it. Mm. 500,000 pairs of tefillin that they were making and sending up. You couldn't buy a pair of tefillin in Israel because they were making them all for the soldiers. Wow. It was, it was just incredible to see this outpouring and how people are reconnecting with that deeper sense of meaning. Mm. And I think that's what we're finding as well, is that when we go through tragedy, when we go through chaos, what happens is that we're thrown back on ourselves and we have to start questioning, who am I? 
What is life about? What is the purpose of everything? Why am I in this world? And I think that's what people are starting to see. And that's why we're starting to see this, this like a spiritual revolution of people realizing, wow, this is our protection. This is what we need to be focusing on. This is our, this is our strength, our unity, our connection to God. This is, this has been the most phenomenal sight that we're seeing all across the world. And it's absolutely beautiful. But you know, Elie Wiesel says something so interesting, which ties in with what you're saying as well. It says, religion is not man's relationship to God. It is man's relationship to man. And I think that's very much what we are seeing coming together in communities, even in, in all different communities, is their uh, man's relationship to man. Yeah, and how people are caring for each other. As we said, mm. I, I was talking to someone last week, and they live in Israel, and they said because all the farmers down at the bottom, that, that, that no one's farming the land, they're either in the army or they don't have any workers. The workers have been taken hostage. So there's groups of volunteers who all go down, and, sh- and she spent the day um, – she was uh, picking eggplants. Hmm. And, you know, she said that as you drive down, you see these signs, you're now entering a danger zone. And there were just hundreds of people coming down to help all the farmers, you know, because they still have to work. And there's there's little farmers markets all over the place. People have... I saw, I saw another one that said if people have holiday homes in Israel, people have opened up all their, you know, all their holiday homes. If people are displaced, come and stay here. And that, 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 that outpouring, that unity, that sense of... That sense of brotherly love, like, I don't know who you are, I've never met you before, but we're part of one nation, come and, you know, I'll accept you, and I want to be there for you, and I will support you, just like you are my brother. And I saw that so much with my daughter, my youngest daughter, that who you know, Shira, she was here when the war broke out, and her husband said, please just stay there, um, you know, with the kids, and it will probably be over soon. Well, that within that ten days, she said she can't stay here anymore. She's got to get back. She 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 has to get back to Israel. Anyway, uh, what you say about the the farmers this week? She sent photos of her and her husband Jordan picking uh, tomatoes, wow. and uh, at at a farm which used to have Thai workers there who had left since the war. And they were picking all the, the tomatoes. So, you know, there's, everyone finds, has found a purpose in this time. No matter what the age has been, some older people, older women are, are knitting hats or caps because it's going to be very cold up north at the moment, wherever, north or south, it's cold. And uh, there was a picture that I saw of a woman trying to teach an old man how to knit. Well, I looked at his fingers and they were very arthritic and I thought, well, she's very optimistic. (laughs) Now, Alon, you told me about grit. I want to tell our listeners that when you tell me something, unfortunately, you give me a lot of homework to do because I hadn't heard about grit before. So please tell me about grit. So grit is, I guess it's another word for resilience, but Grit is exactly that, you know, grit is you find like between your tiles. It's just something that you can't get rid of, you know, it's, it's just there. And grit applies to our personalities as well. I think that, uh, the best definition that, that I saw of grit is that it's a personality trait characterized by perseverance and passion for achieving long-term goals. So individuals who have grit are able to maintain their determination and motivation over long periods despite the experiences with failure and adversity. 
And I think that's what grit is, is that it's, it's not about the adversity and the failures that you've had. It's your goal that you still want to achieve and your perseverance that you're willing to put in to achieve that. This is the, this is the hallmark of success is the ability not to become or not to view yourself as a failure because you don't achieve your goals, but looking at your goal and saying, no matter how hard I have to work, no matter what adversity I'm going to go through, I am going to achieve this. And I'm going to keep on pushing myself until I achieve my goal. That's what we call grit. That's perseverance. Is people might tell you, are you mad? Right? Why are you doing this? Just give up. But when you believe in something and you're willing to push through all of that adversity, that's grit. And that's what makes people successful. And we're going to get back to that in a moment. I just want to read a few messages here. Just hang on. I've just got to bring this a bit closer. Mary Ann says, Hello, Sue and Rabbi. I love the reference to growing strawberries as a way to move away from the horror and despair and to look at the miracle in the ordinary. Mary Ann from Northcliffe. Thank you, Mary Ann. I absolutely agree with you. The miracle in the ordinary. And then this says, Bibi must resign now. He is as much... Uh, okay, that was not for me, I don't think. That was for um, Howard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm pleased about that. I thought, did we mention Bibi? <laughs> um, now, as far as grit's concerned, how would you tie it in with what's happening around our diaspora community at the moment? We are living in not fear... But despair in many ways, especially when we see people who we used to know in their shops. We used to go and buy things in, in their, their, uh, their places of work suddenly turning against us. And it's very shocking, you know, to, to, to someone like me who, who's always thought that they like me <laughs> suddenly to know that actually they can't stand me and they see me as a threat and they want to do away with me and you see at the marches you see these little kids on people's shoulders shouting these terrible things at us you know it's it's very disheartening so how would you suggest we use grit it is very disheartening, as you correctly said, but it also shows us people's true nature. And sometimes, you know, we look at this and go, well, I thought something very differently of you about you. And um, I think it does remind us of many stories of, you know, of, of pre-Holocaust days and the Holocaust itself. I, don't, I think there's many similarities of people said, you know, no, these people are my friends. I'm next door neighbors with them. They'll never do anything bad to us. But we have to know that. What we see is not always what's true, and I think that this does show us people's true colors. And it does, you know, it says that um, adversity does show you who your true friends are when you're going through hard times. Who's Absolutely. really there? Who really stands by you? And I think we're starting to see that people who we didn't suspect, you know, oh, I thought you liked me and you don't. People, I thought you know, I thought you didn't like me and you actually do. It just shows us people's true. Colors and true, and it is something we have to be cognizant of and, and realize. But how do we deal with it as well? How do we find coping mechanisms? So I think that, as we said, that resilience or grit is the ability to adapt and cope with stress and adversity and trauma. So how do we cope with it? Is that we see that there are ways. We see that um, resilience gives us the ability to do that. So how do we go about it? What are some of the practical steps that that we can take? So I think it's about realizing that it happens on different levels. It's an emotional level, it's a cognitive level, and it's also a behavioral level. And we're going to get back to that in a moment. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. 
only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program. And my guest today is Rabbi Alon Joseph. And the time is going very quickly and he was in the middle of saying something when I had to go to advert. So I'm going back to you, Alon. Thanks, Sue. So we were just talking about coping mechanisms and, and skills that we can have. And we were just saying that resilience can can come through different ways. Firstly, we said is that resilience is the ability to adapt and cope with stress around us. So we know that we have this innate ability that we do that that we have these skills inside of us. But sometimes we have to know how do we deal with it. So I think that firstly, it can happen on an emotional level, on a cognitive level. However, you know, we we have to realize people are going through lots of trauma at the moment to see what's happening around us. Yeah, um, if you read the news and some people are, are very, you know, news orientated and they're on their phones the whole day looking at this and looking at that and, you know, it's, it can, it, it can play on a person's mind the whole time and we have to be very careful what we expose ourselves to. You know, often we see these videos, um, about things that happened on October 7th and I actually haven't, I haven't been able to watch those videos because I thought, why do I want to see what they've done? It's, I it's, don't want to see them either. I just can't put myself to think what those people must have been going through and to watch those videos. Mm. Why would I want to put that through myself? And even on the news, you know, if we can be watching this the whole time and we don't realize the stress and, and the, and the emotional stress that it's actually putting us in that we become so distracted. But also what it's actually doing to us emotionally and psychologically, we have to be very, very careful what we expose ourselves um, to at the moment. And I think it is, is, is something that we have to just look at. We can drive ourselves mad and we don't realize the impact that it's having on our, on our lives. But coming back to that resilience is that we... We have to realize that we have to strengthen ourselves through different strategies, whether it's positive thinking, social support, even self-care of ourselves, of just acknowledging the emotions that we're going through and the feelings that we're having, what people and what other people might be going through. Yeah, I, I suggested um, in a talk I gave about two weeks ago, I suggested, you know, if you know people in, in Israel or just people around, send them a message of support and just to say, I'm thinking of you. And I know times must be very, very difficult for you, but I just wanted to let you know that I'm thinking of you. And there was one person in the group who who did this, and they kept on sending me messages of feedback that these people had sent to them. I was saying, like, I can't tell you how much your message means to me. Thank you so much. Wow. Just, you know, just knowing that, that you're thinking and praying for me and it was just a simple message that this lady had sent out to other people of just saying, we're thinking of you, we're, we're, we're praying for you, we're there for you, and we're here with you. Just other people knowing that was such a comfort and mm-hmm. left such a profound impact. That's part of it, giving other people that ability to cope with knowing that other people are there for us and care for us. And that's where uh, the, the benefit of a community comes in. Of, you know, um, a community that does care. I mean, I know that our community, Chesed, is run by Bernice Burson, who is, and I'm especially mentioning her name, because she is a great Chesed warrior. She really is. And she sends us these messages, this person's battling or whatever it might be, you know, and we have the choice to reach out or not. And I have found that each time I've reached out, 
it's it's warmed my heart the response so it's definitely a two-way situation you reach out to someone else you reach into yourself and your very soul actually becomes joyful with it and i think at the moment joy is so lacking in our lives that we've got to try and find it wherever we can whether it's in music someone said to me the other day they've always loved music but at the moment they're almost feeling as though they're in mourning and they shouldn't be listening to music and I asked what music meant to them and they said music actually made their souls sing And I said, well, then put it on and let your souls sing. We can't go into this. There is trauma. The world is suffering from a collective trauma. The diaspora Jews, definitely. And we, we can't give in to that. We are not, we're not those sort of people. When the, the gritty, when I read up about it, it said to be gritty is to keep putting one foot in front of the other. To be gritty is to hold fast to an interesting and purposeful goal. To invest in today, week after week and year after year. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. You know, I was talking to so many people as well, and they, you know, asked them how are you, how are you coping? No, I'm down and I'm depressed, and it's affecting me. And I said, that's we're not fighting the war. We're not on the ground fighting the war, but we have the ability to help them. Mm. But if I'm going to be down and depressed, I don't have those skills and those abilities to do that. I've got to look within myself and say, you know what? I'm not going to let them win that war. I'm going to show them that I have this resilience. You're going to try come and destroy me. I'm not going to go down without a fight. I'm not going to give in. When we become um, depressed and downtrodden, mm. then then they're already winning. Absolutely. And we have to say, you know what? I love you know. Put that music on. Put it on even louder. You know, feel that joy even better, and say, you know what? I'm not. Not only am I going to live even better, I'm going to live even better than what I was doing before. I'm going to show you that you're not going to be able to get me down. You're not going to win this. That's what we find in Israel. We look at you know the. All, all these images coming out, it, it was so interesting to me that in the army, how many people have got married at the moment? And yes, we're fighting a war on one hand. Wasn't that on, beautiful? And on the other hand, they, 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 there's, there's engagements. There's <laughs> wedding on the bases all the time. They're bringing families in to celebrate these weddings. And you think, but you're in the middle of a war. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I doubt in, in Ukraine and Russia, they're having these celebrations of war, you know, or people getting married at the moment. I don't know. Maybe they are. But you look on our side, you look at the way that we deal with things. We, we, we approach life so differently. We say, you know what? You're going to come in distress. Not only are we going to fight against you, but we're going to start rebuilding oh. right, right now. They're, they're, and we're going to do it now. We're not going to wait. And there's weddings on the basis while people are in the middle of a war, we're going to get married. We're going to show you how we fight our, our war. And that's what we have to We have to have that same approach to our lives as well. There's a war that maybe I'm facing on a daily basis of difficulties in my own life. Maybe there's, it doesn't have to be, you know, a war that Israel's facing at the moment, but every single day we're facing a war in our own lives and we have to have that same resilience to face those battles every single day. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program. And my guest today is Rabbi Alon Joseph. And we have been talking about hope and resilience and optimism has come in. And I'm hoping that everyone who's listening in are, have joined us in the knowledge that we have the choice of what are we putting out to the world at the moment? Because it's what we're putting out that we're going to get back. And we cannot put out hatred and anger 
and absolute despair. We have to help one another somehow cope with this time. It is a dark time, but we will get through it. And, you know, uh, Dadinsky said, someday your pain will become the source of your strength. Face it, brave it, and you will make it. You know, I think... It's not only what we put out, it's also what we put in. Mm. What am I putting into myself? What am I feeding myself at the moment? Am I feeding myself negativity? Am I feeding myself destruction? Or am I, or am I feeding myself positivity and good things? There's, there's a WhatsApp group that was started as well that th- there's so many messages going about about destruction. They started a WhatsApp group of only good news stories happening in Israel and around the world. And you read those stories and think, wow, that's incredible. Look mm-hmm. at all the good that's happening. Am I choosing to focus on the bad? Am I choosing to focus on the good? We need to put a lot more good into ourselves. And I think that comes into that message of gratitude that be grateful every single day for everything that we have. You appreciate everything that we've got. Live into the moment. So that's how we develop Grit, and that's how we have that, that hope is realizing, yet there's a lot of bad things happening. But yes, there's also so many good things happening at the same time. What am I feeding myself? Am I feeding myself that positivity? Am I looking for the good news in every single day? Am I looking for the good in everything around me? When we find that, when we can look for that good and we feed ourselves that good, I will give, I will be able to give that good to other people as well. But it's, it's, it all starts off with what we're feeding ourselves and what we're putting into ourselves as well. Very definitely. And for people who want to know a bit more about grit, you can look up Angela um, Duckworth and you can find ab- about her there. It really is. Uh, it's very interesting. The other thing we did mention, and I don't know how far we're going to be able to get with it, was perception is not reality. And what would you like to say about that? <laughs> we don't have that much time. Soon. No, we don't. <laughs> I, th- I think it's the same thing. Do I, it's, you know, it's, it's the point that we just touched on now about the good news and the bad news. That it all depends on what we look at. It's like the story we started off with at the beginning with the Holocaust survivor. You know, do you see war or do you see miracles? Mm. Do you see despair or do you see hope? That's what life is about. Life is about choosing where I'm going to focus, choosing where I put my energies. There's so many opportunities to help so many people around us. There's so many opportunities to do so much good. But if I'm going to think that the reality of a situation is bad, I'm never going to see that. Mm. Reality is what we make of it. Reality is what we're willing to to subject ourselves to and to see within ourselves as well. And I think that needs to be our, our message, the message of hope, the message of resilience, the message of that we will get through this and we will come out stronger on the other side. All challenges we grow through, we grow through. And if we can grow through this and we realize and we learn the messages from it, then we become better on the other side of it. And I think it's about looking for those opportunities. And we can help each other find those opportunities because so often I have seen that some people are in a very dark place and it is up to each of us to reach out to one another when we see that the one is floundering, not to become like, oh, you'll be fine, but find out why are you floundering? How can we help you? And and be there for them because sometimes the perception is that the whole world is collapsing. Yep. Someone said that to me just last week. They said, you know what, I don't even feel like getting up anymore during the day or at any time because the world's collapsing anyway. So I said, so are you going to collapse? It happens to be, have been a friend of mine. So I could say this. So I said, 
So are you going to collapse with it, you know, or are you going to stand up with the rest of us, shoulder to shoulder, and soldier, soldier on? And, you know, we both had a good laugh about that because it was a case of, no, I was not going to (laughs) let her actually decide she's staying in her bed under her duvet. (laughs) You know, I had uh, had some friends riding the 94.7 on Sunday. Oh, yeah. And and the one friend said, you know, the last 10 kilometers, he just hit this brick wall and he just felt he couldn't go. And his friend was next to him and his friend just encouraged him and pushed him and said, keep on pedaling. Let's go. We can do this. And that, and without, he said, without that encouragement, he never would have finished and I think that's our message as well is that sometimes we can support others and sometimes others will support us but if we're there together and we're working as a nation as a unit we will always be successful we will always achieve our goals Wonderful. I'm being told to wrap up Uh, you're going to be listening to a song uh, Cry No More and it's by Jakob Schwecki, and it's beautiful. It's not going to come through on the podcast, but you can pick it up yourselves. I'd like to just say thank you so much, Alon, for being on my program, Rabbi Alon Joseph. I always enjoy having you, and the time always shoots past quickly. I want to just end with this little uh, saying that Marcus Aurelius said, Dwell on the beauty of life, watch the stars, and see yourself running freely with them. Thank you so much, and thank you, Craig. Thank you, McCundy, and thank you, Vussie.